Howdy, folks. Welcome to a world of fantasy with seven magical lands of timeless fun. The Magic Kingdom, where happily ever afters happen every day. Wait a minute. I love that idea. How about some backstage passes? Karebuni. I am Warden Wilson Mutua, and I am happy to welcome you to Harambe Wildlife Reserve. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast with your hosts, Dewey, Ron, and Tony. Here, we'd love to talk about the Walt Disney World Resort, the way we remember it, how it's changed, and why we still enjoy visiting the most magical place on Earth. We're not experts, but we want to share our unique experiences and memories with you. You may learn some facts you never knew before, and you may return to some of your own memories of the Walt Disney World Resort. And we'd love to share these memories together. So come with us on a podcast journey as we reflect on the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please stand clear of the doors. Reflections. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast, your unofficial guide through Disney World memories and their connections to the parks we know and love today. I am Dewey, and I am one of your hosts, and this is episode number 16 of the WDW Reflections Podcast. Stick around towards the end of the show for more information on how you can con contact us and become involved in the show through social media groups and maybe even be a contributor to future shows. With me today is my podcast travel buddy, Tony. How's it going, Tony? I'm doing okay. I've been immersed in the Disney Plus Beatles special for the past couple of hours. I feel like I've, I've spent... Um, days with them so it's been kind of fun but other than that uh i'm here was has it been a hard day's night watching <laughs> all that content not at all in fact i'm ready to get back to it as soon as <laughs> you get a chance i see what you did there <laughs> that was awesome okay so y'all may have noticed that ron is not here with us today he's off checking off a bucket list item for him he's attending the michigan and ohio state rivalry game today but he's given us his blessing to forge ahead without him. But we do have a third musketeer with us today, and she's going to reflect with us on this week's WDW Reflections podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it uh, brings me great pleasure to introduce you to our special guest, who was a former cast member at Walt Disney World, also a former cast member at uh, Universal Studios Orlando, and uh, I guess that inspired her to become an educator uh, on her own as well after that. It, she is about to become a bride in the next few weeks. So we are very thrilled that she's here to lend us some of her precious time. But I'd like to introduce you to someone who's my niece as well. Here's Jenny. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, we're glad to have you as well. All right, so as you may have heard, Tony mentioned in some of the past episodes, his niece is a former Walt Disney World cast member, and we are very excited to have her with us today. Uh, she's going to give us some cool behind the scenes stories about her time as a cast member, and uh, we're going to, going to probably like machine gun her with all kinds of questions because Tony and I have never had the the opportunity or the privilege to be a cast member. 
So I know that for me personally, it's one of my life goals is to be a Disney cast member. Uh, so uh, I'm, I know I have lots of questions for her. So um, I hope, Jenny, I hope you're ready because we've got a lot coming towards you. And we're excited to hear some of your stories too. So, Absolutely. And I know some of the stories, but I, every now and then I hear a new one that I'm like, wow, that's an amazing tale. So we're, we're anxious to get some of these tales from you to get Jenny today. Yeah, this is going to be very cool. But before we get started with your stories and such, uh, a few weeks ago, we had Disney author Trisha Dobb on, and uh, we started something where we, we, the fellas and I wanted to begin asking all of our guests, uh, guest five questions. So we wanted to see if we could throw those at you real quick. And these are, um, there's no wrong answer. This is your your favorites, your opinions. So we just wanted to, to, to jump in and give you those five guest questions. Are you ready for that? I'm ready, let's go. All right. So the first question is, what is your favorite Disney park? Oh, that one's super easy. So because my favorite park is the park that I worked for, which was Epcot. It's my absolute favorite for many, many reasons. Um, I love being able to go around the different countries and experience all of that. Um, I just love the scenery there. It's just really pretty and it's not as crazy packed or, you know, it just feels like a nice place to go and just kind of hang out with your friends for the day. I used to just love going with my cast member friends and just walk around in between like our sets and shows. Um, the food is really good there. I feel like you can find any kind of food there because you have all those countries. They have food and wine festival, which is like my favorite. Um, so yeah, Epcot, I love it. Plus the fact that the characters come out in their countries always was cool for me. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my favorite park. Okay, first of all, I know a second ago I said there's no wrong answers, uh, but just to be, let's be clear, you gave the correct answer. Epcot <laughs> is the best. Epcot is the best. And I'm super jealous because I want to work in Epcot, so I'm super jealous of you right now. I can't wait to hear some of these Epcot adventures that you're going to share with Dewey, us. Dewey, can so. you imagine this? She was just talking about how in their off time between work, they could just roam around the park and do, were you able, you guys able to go on rides as well before you, you? You had yes. to go on your shifts? Yeah, yeah. Um, because we used to have like a lot of time in between, um, especially when I worked for the parade. Uh, that was a time where we had like a lot of lag time in between. And so we could just kind of pop out, grab food, go on a ride, come back. Um, wow. And just, yeah. And what, what am I doing <laughs> with my life? I look I, at, at the high school, there is not a single ride, not a single ride for me to do in my spare time. What am I doing with my life? All right, Jenny, great answer. You got number one correct. Ding, there you go. Epcot is the correct answer. All right, number two, what is your favorite Disney attraction? Oof. Okay, so I love Epcot. However, my absolute favorite ride is at MGM Studios. Um, and that is Rock and Roller Coaster. Ah. That's one I have to do every single time because it's just, I just think it's so much fun and like it just gives me all pumped up and like ready to go. Um, and I used to love going on it like several times. I would try to hit it several times in the day whenever I would go to the park because it's just, it's super fun for me. So yeah, that would be my favorite one. Yeah, the single rider line is, is awesome for that, trying to get on it over and over again. Exactly, yep. So 
okay, we're going to pause the five questions real quick since you said rock and roller coaster. Just a curious here. I'm curious. Uh, what do you think of the rumors? It's been going around for years. But what do you think of the rumors that they may retheme it? It will no longer be Aerosmith. Uh, have you heard that? And if you have, what do you think about uh, a possible retheme of that ride? Ugh, I haven't heard that. Um, I don't know what I would. <clears throat> sorry, I don't know what I would think. I, uh, I just feel like it's so much fun with Aerosmith. It would have to be someone like really, really good for me to be like, okay, I'm all right with that. But if they. I don't know how they could possibly retheme it. It just seems like pretty natural for them to be there. It's, I haven't, there's not been anything official and Disney even hasn't even said that they're going to retheme it, but there's uh, uh, just, just a couple of months ago, they had the, the scrims up, you know, the big tarps covering the, the big guitar. And everybody was like, Oh my gosh, they're going to, it's, it's coming. The retheme's coming. And, and realistically they were just, you know, redoing painting the guitar for, um for the 50th but every time something like that happens they you know you start hearing these rumors but one that I've, has come up over and over again for years has been that they were going to retheme it to a monsters inc and you would be flying and like the track would be flying around all the doors you know when uh you know remember in the movie oh, when right right so that's been a rumor that's been over and over again um Ugh, but i feel like that would make it like cutesy you know uh, I, to, uh. I love the aerosmith <laughs> thing it's just you know how I about some too. backstage passes it's just awesome. yeah i think so. the music's really part of it too because it gets you like really pumped you know and it's like one of those rides it's like yeah when you get off of it instead of just like any old cutesy thing i agree i love it so uh, I, I just, since you said that was your favorite, I just uh, had to get your take on that. All right. So number three, who is your favorite Disney character? Oh, that one's super easy too. <laughs> many reasons why this one's my favorite, but Pluto has my heart forever for many reasons. He's my super favorite. Um, yeah, he's just, he's super cute. I love his whole character i love that he gets to be around you know the main you know he's one of the main ones that people want to come see um and he's one of the fab five fab six yeah he's just he's the best i love i love him <laughs> not just her favorite her super favorite yes <laughs> super favorite all right here we go this maybe this one's tougher you've been you just been that one's easy that one's easy that one's easy so <laughs> let's see if this one is a little harder for you number four is what is your least favorite Disney attraction? Oof, okay. Of all time or just now? Uh, yeah, it, whichever, however she wants to answer. It wants to be your all-time least favorite. It could be your least favorite at this very moment. You're, uh, you're the star of the show today, so you, dig, you decide. Oh, gosh. I think you're going to not like me, Dewey. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's going to be a, something that I've heard on your, the podcast before as one of your like, how could you not? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, that's me. You're going to hate me. But I am not a fan of the Tiki Tiki room. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but listen, have you been on it? I have. I have. <laughs> okay, then you get to have an opinion. <laughs> Ron's not even here and we're going to dog him because he, he has an opinion about everything he hasn't done. So, okay, so Tiki Room, that's fair, but why? Tell us why. Uh, I just, it just wasn't as, I don't know, I guess I'm just more into like, 
exciting. Like I want to be moving around. And I, I mean, I guess it has a cute little factor to it, but I don't know. I just kind of was like, oh, I guess back in the day, it was probably like a huge deal because it did all these things, but it just, to me was like, I want to be moving. I want to do some stuff. <laughs> did you get so, to see both versions of it? No, no. I've only, I've only seen it. I would probably see? say the most recent. The, the one with um, the characters from Aladdin? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, well then maybe give it another try because they reverted back to the original oh, okay. uh, TV room. And so Aladdin, or not Aladdin, um, Iago, Iago and uh, Zazu are not in it. It's gone back to the original script. Maybe you'll love that one. Okay, I'll have yes. to give it a try then. All right. So, uh, yeah, lots and lots of people don't didn't particularly care for that version with uh, with Iago and everything. So uh, that makes sense. You haven't seen Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. There it is. All right. And now this one's probably pretty tough because there's so many different things to choose from. But number five is what is your best Disney memory? Oh, okay. Hmm. Now you stopped it. <laughs> yes. Well, gosh, I have so many. I know. Oh, okay. Um, I will say probably my best Disney memory was um, when the Tapestry of Nations Parade came out. Um, right. We were rehearsing for it. I was part of the opening cast for that parade. And we were they were testing out um, the Illuminations firework show. And so it was like three in the morning, I think. And we were doing overnight rehearsals and we were allowed to go sit like with the park completely empty and sit in Italy where it has like a really nice view and watch the entire firework show to make sure like that everything that they had set up was gonna work and look awesome. And so we got to be like the first group that got to sit and just watch the show without anyone else around us. And that probably was one of my most memorable times at Disney. That's, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So you had front row seats basically to a cast member only were there 3 a.m. super early showing of Reflections of Earth. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness. This, uh, I'm going to end up not liking you after today <laughs> because you have, that is so, so it's cool. Dream. Oh my gosh. Yes, you, you, that's my dream for sure. That is so, so cool. I'm, I'm basically almost speechless because that's my all time favorite fireworks show. Like, it, it I mean, it's, it, never failed to get me choked up every time I saw it so yeah same oh I loved it and the music I love that whole I mean tapestry and then having that parade and then the fireworks after was just amazing even working it and doing it night after night after night I still would go out after the parade was done and go watch the fireworks every single time that I worked because why not they're beautiful so yeah I definitely loved all the music and all of that well, that's a good, that's actually a good segue to say uh, how to get back into how you got started with this in the, in the first place. Can you take us to how did you get involved with all of this? I know that your brother was a cast member a few years before you, but what what inspired you to want to be part of it? What do you remember about your first visit to Disney? Let me put it that way. 
So, gosh, my first visit to Disney, actually, I remember when we first moved to Florida, one of the uh, like first visits that we did, I believe it was like around Christmas time. Um, I don't, I, I want to say that's how I remember, like, we just were like, so excited to be there and couldn't even imagine like anything like it. And so we, we just fell in love. We wanted to be there all the time. And back then it was like, not as expensive to be at Disney. Yeah. So we got to do it, you know, luckily for us, we got to do it a few times. And then my brother started to work there. And once he started working there, we were able to get in um, for, for free. So that was even more, you know, of a benefit. Um, And we just, we just loved it. And so when I was finally like able to start working and, and was thinking about moving to Orlando, I was like, well, where else would you want to work, but Disney. (laughs) So, um, I, I signed up, um, they had like some website where you could just sign up and see if you could work there. I went down to their casting center and then, um, I started my work as a costumer. So I got to dress the characters for the parade. How cool is um, that? Wait, before you go too far in that, uh, what did, did you have to do anything in particular for your for your interview or for your casting session? No, not for that one. No, for to be a customer was pretty simple. It was just like, can you work overnight shifts? Can you, you know, um, do these qualifications? And it was pretty easy. Um, and, and what so, did you have to do as a customer? Did you, I hear you said that you had to prepare the, the characters, but Yeah. So a lot of it had to do with like, um, getting things cleaned. Um, and so making sure that all of the pieces of the outfits were working because I worked for the spectrum magic parade. So we had to make sure (laughs) that's another one of my favorites. (laughs) Um, and so we had to like, make sure that the lights were working for all of their, because all of their outfits lit up in two different ways. So we had to make sure that the colored light worked and the white lights were working. Um, and then we, you know, once the characters were in place, we just kind of would do like a once over and make sure everybody had everything working correctly. Um, and then we just would send them off. And when they came back, we just made sure all their outfits were like taken, uh, correctly so that we, you know, didn't, um, mess up any of the bulbing or anything like that. And then just had to place it in certain places for them to have it clean so that they would have be ready for the next day. Did so you assign? I'm sorry to interrupt. Dirk. No, no, no. It's okay. Go ahead. Were you assigned any particular characters to, to work with? No, we kind of, each time that you were there, you kind of like took a certain like section of the parade. So depending on like, uh, I guess whoever came in the earliest was more towards the front of the parade um, and just kind of would do a once over with like the first half. <clears throat> and then um, we would go do the second half if you were in a little bit later, but uh, really, when we did the kind of the once over, we kind of all walked through um, just to make sure everything was working. And then we would be like assigned to a specific float before they would go out. So you would just kind of follow that float and make sure everything was, you know, working until they came out the gate. So I'm I'm just imagining you know, what this backstage area would have looked like. So there, now are the are all the costumes are they on like these rolling racks and you just pull them off the hanger or is it this gigantic warehouse and they're all like what what are we looking at here what is the backstage area for the spectro magic all the costumes and stuff what does that look like it is a big warehouse full of stuff and then you know you have all of the like 
washers and dryers and all of that, but then also like racks and racks of uh, clothing and outfits and all of that. So um, for each person, they would, we kind of would have them like in bags. So once everybody's, you know, had everything set up, the specific outfits were in um, like bags on a rolling rack for them to just kind of grab, take and go. So I'm, I'm trying to trying to figure out how you would dry clean a, uh, an electrical vest you know, for, cause I know like yeah. uh, the mice from Cinderella, I, you know, they had like the big uh, colonial style hats or whatever that had lights on them. And then they were wearing the light up mm. vest. That's, that's just super cool. So how long did you do that? How long were you uh, um, dressing ca uh, characters for spectral magic? I, I think I was there for about six months and then I kind of was like, Oh, this looks like fun. I want to do this. <laughs> so I kind of was like, well, let's see, you know, what else there is. And, you know, they had a lot of, um, while you were working there, I would always hear like in the locker room, you know, audition times for things. And so I decided to audition and. And so what did you do for an audition? So for the audition, oh God, it was really intimidating. So it was like a gym full of like tons of people. Um, and they kind of grouped you. So when you first came, they would measure your height um, and just kind of give you a once over. And then they would put you, they would say like you five, go that way. You go this way, you go this way. And so then <clears throat> once we were in the next part, we had to do a dance audition. So they did like eight counts of something and we just kind of had to follow and do the same and they then would say okay you guys go this way you guys go this way and then after that we came back um it was an all-day event I mean I was there probably like eight hours um and then the next part was we had to do um an animation so they asked you to come out and they gave you a scene to act out without you know with just using your body and your hands and your face and so I remember mine specifically was I had to pretend I was changing a diaper. Um, and so they like watched, watched like a group of us do this. And then they, again, separated us into groups. And then that's when the waiting part happened where we were all just kind of like, what now? And we waited and waited and waited. And we were watching like groups of people get up and look really disappointed and walk out. And we're like, oh gosh, what's going to happen? Um, and then I remember a group of people coming and they were like, we want to thank you for being here. Thank you for your time. And I was like, no. And they were like, welcome to Epcot. And we uh, were like, ah. so everybody started screaming and jumping. And so, yeah, it was awesome. Right now I've seen Spectral Magic many, many times. And I've seen <clears throat> Tapestry of Nations many, many times. And I have never seen the diaper changing scene. I, <laughs> I, I, I must have missed that. I'm not sure how that fits into the narrative, but holy smokes. So you went from costuming on Spectral Magic and you, you were like, hey, I could do this. So you auditioned. And then that's when you were hired for the Tapestry of Nations? No, Tapestry came later. Um, I actually started working um, and doing my close sets with some of the um awesome characters that we have at disney oh, oh so cool that's what that, that so that audition was not for a parade no. that audition was for uh helping with the characters yes okay yes. awesome so and we just want to say for the for those of you out there who may not know 
we don't want to spoil the magic. Disney doesn't want to spoil the magic. So just so that, you know, um, if we say someone's very close friends with or helping these characters, it means they were um, very involved in making sure that those characters come to life. And Jenny was very much involved with several of them, several different ones, the ones you wouldn't even imagine that you, that you helped out with, right? Yes, yes. But who was, have... who was the first person that you helped out with? Um, the first one was Pluto. I mean that you, that's that you're not starting out with you know somebody that you hardly ever see they're like hey we're sending you straight to the fat pie yes yes <laughs> I mean, that's, that's yeah awesome. it it was it was a lot of fun um little unexpected um what it would entail and look like but I had a blast uh and yeah I got to do a, a few of helpings with some characters and some really interesting ones because I also worked with Rafiki. Um, I also worked with Mr. Smee mm -hmm. and also Buzz Lightyear. And, oh, wow. Yeah. So Actually, I, had, I think you helped Buzz Lightyear during the inaugural, um, the first time that they opened up that ride, right? Yes. You were among, amongst the uh, original people helping there? Yeah, when they first, when they first brought um, Buzz to the park, right. we were able to kind of work through all the kinks of of bringing him there now i imagine if somebody was in there they must be like suffocating <laughs> did you ever get any reports of uh because that was is, isn't that close inside a bubble uh yes so buzz Lightyear probably is one of the most challenging because that is one that is unable to be like you have very little mobility um, for the person that is working with that. So it's very much like stiff and closed in. So yeah, it's, it's a little challenging for that one for sure. So now just, I've never worked with a Disney character, uh, but I, uh, I'm a member of the 501st uh, Legion. So um, it's the, the Star Wars, Star Wars costuming group that, that dresses up in Star Wars costumes and everything. And I'll tell you that um we build we put fans in our star wars helmets to to try and get some air to us and everything and i'm just wondering if maybe buzz lightyear should consider putting some fans <laughs> in his helmet because i know that uh i'm sure that spacesuit gets quite warm yes. in, the, in the july florida heat yes it does yes it would be helpful for a fan for sure because <laughs> it's <laughs> It is a challenging, especially with the heat. Any of the costumes really are very challenging in that heat because Florida does not play around <laughs> when it comes to summertime. So were you helping those characters during meet and greets? Were you helping them during parades or, or shows? Or what was some of your experiences? Um, I did a lot of work in um, helping them with their like sets, um, just meet and greets with families. Um, sometimes would help during like the dinner shifts at like the Swan and the breakfast shifts at the Dolphin. Um, oh, so character meals. Yes, yes. Oh, wow, um, cool. My favorite that I got to help with was um, working at the Land, the that little restaurant that rotates. Um, I the have Garden some Grill. Was it pretty pretty funny stories about that actually? <laughs> like what? Well, yeah, throw them at us. Tell if you, if so, it's something you can share and want to share, then please feel free. So when you first, um, there's kind of like a trick to the trade of figuring out how 
to uh, enter and exit that restaurant. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> for the characters. Um, and I remember the, <clears throat> my first time there, um, Chippendale decided that they wanted to kind of do a hazing of sorts for <laughs> the new friends that were there. Um, and so we were out and greeting guests and um, Chippendale kind of directed me into a different direction and were assuring me that this was where we were supposed to go. And that day um, I helped Pluto end up to be part of the land ride rather than the restaurant. <laughs> and I will never forget this boat coming through and be like, well, hey, Pluto. <laughs> And I was mortified. <laughs> so, so Chippendale sent Pluto out the a door, I guess, it, that took you. Which scene did you come out in? It's the house. There's a part with the house. <laughs> yes, that's where I came out. Um, and then, sure enough, you could even see in because from that area you can see the restaurant yes and there's chip and dale <laughs> and they're like waving at pluto yes <laughs> and i was just like oh you guys stink <laughs> oh my gosh i wish there there's wish there was some video or, or <laughs> something of pluto popping out in that that farmyard i'm uh, sure farm there is scene. somewhere <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so awesome did, did you guys, and you, you've mentioned before that through this connection with these characters, there'd be celebrities that come see you, right? Yeah, yeah, we did have some celebrities, especially um, at Universal. I got to see a lot of, when I worked at Universal, um, a lot of the celebrities would come visit that park. Um, but I remember a, a celebrity that I got to see when I was actually in the Tapestry of Nations parade um, was Dr. Ruth. And, oh, wow. yeah, yeah and she was like come wanted to take a picture and like I was like oh my gosh is this who I think it is um so what about yeah. uh you had mentioned once Debbie Gibson right yes that was when I worked at Universal yeah and I lost my mind and like <laughs> she was so funny because she was I think more excited to see me than I was to see her um because that day I was helping out with Scooby-Doo and so she just lost her mind and was like, oh my God, Scooby, you're my favorite. And I'm over here like, I know you. <laughs> can, you can you talk about really quickly, um, uh, what was the difference between working for Disney and working for Universal? Was there any kind of, was it similar? Was it different? Uh, it was it was very different. Um, I will say, well, the biggest difference was pay. Universal actually paid a lot better than than Disney. Um, but it also the difference, I feel a lot of it too, was um, there's more of at Disney, like they really want to hold on to the magic. So when you are learning about these characters, it's very important that they are all the same, regardless of which park you attend, it's the same person. Um, whereas at Universal it was kind of more, you know, eh, you know, whatever, they're just excited to see whoever's there. <laughs> They've probably learned since then, because I've seen some videos, it looks like they want to make sure that they, that they are true to who they represent. But you just reminded me of a quick funny story when my wife and I were on the Disney Cruise Line, just to show how Disney wants to preserve this. Uh, we had seen advertisements that were gonna do Aladdin on board. 
and we had seen advertisements and, and we said, we think we know that actor because we'd seen this actor on Broadway. So we wanted to see, find out if that was him so we could tell him, hey, we know you from, from New York, we've seen you on Broadway. And so we went up to customer service and we said, um, hi, can we find out, uh, we're from, we're visiting, we just wanna know who's playing Aladdin today? And the lady behind the desk got so flustered and so upset, she didn't know what to say. She was like, um, um, let me get back to you. And she went to the back and she go, She came back again. And she was like, I I'm gonna have to check. And she went back again and she came back. She said, oh, I have, I have wonderful news for you. I, have a, I, I know, I found out who's playing Aladdin today. And we we're like, oh good, who's playing Aladdin? Aladdin is playing Aladdin. Mm. <laughs> I knew that was going. <laughs> okay. You're like, okay, lady, we get it though. Seriously, <laughs> who is it? <laughs> so I understand the, the need to keep that um, that magic. Um, it's understandable. So, um, but how did you transition from um, that role of the costumes to going into the Tapestry of Nations? Is that the next thing that you did? So, yeah, so um, they had auditions for Tapestry um, and they pretty much, it was similar. The only really thing that they did uh, was a dance and then they kind of just looked at you um, because in Tapestry of Nations, there were lots of different, um, different uh, like puppets and different costumes. And so they wanted to make sure they fit you with what they thought you could handle. Uh, because to be honest, those puppets were incredibly heavy. Um, and so, did so you do, cause I know they had like the hammer man and they had the, the angel wings. Were you one of those marionette characters? I was actually the sprite. So oh, I had yes. to be the one with the like little wings. Like the and rainbow the wings. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That is so super cool. Yeah. And right, then so, later yeah. I was actually able to, um, to drive the floats for that parade. So I oh, went wow. from like, just cause I wanted to see if I could do it. And so they, they trained us and we were able to do that too. So that was, that was fun too. So did, would you drive the drum one or? Yeah. Yeah. And oh, it's like God, the little, so cool. it's like a little tiny little car in the front and you have to stand to drive. Um, it's a, a lot harder than I thought because that, the float behind you is super heavy and some of those areas in Epcot have some dips. And so you kind of have to really be mindful to not like knock all the drummers off the float. Um, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's frowned upon. <laughs> yes. Yes. Or hit any of the, you know, puppeteers in front of you, but it was, it was super fun. All right. So walk us through that part. Walk us through the, the transition. Now, how long did you do, uh, like were you, when you were helping with Pluto, and stuff was it always at the garden grill or did you do it in other locations in epcot no i did um i also was able to help in america because that's pretty much the area where he comes out with uh mickey Minnie. they all come out in that well at least they used to i don't know if they still do that um so we were kind of housed in the america area and then i also got to do some of the um working uh during like the dinner shifts at um, the Swan and Dolphin uh, Resort. Um, yeah, that was pretty much my work did, there. Did Pluto have a costume? And I know because like there's Mickey kind of looks like Uncle Sam. He's got like red, white, and blue and such uh, at, at the American Adventure Pavilion. Did Pluto have a costume? No, he didn't at that time. Mm -mm. Okay, yeah, I, I, I was because I think I've seen Pluto uh, in the American Adventure area when I was probably in my teens 
and I didn't remember him wearing a costume there. It was just right, just regular Pluto with the with the dog tag and everything. Right. There was only one time that I helped with Pluto that he was able to wear a vest. Is when we um, were working at Mouse Gears, and we did some character greetings at um, the Mouse Gear area. And so there was like a little vest that he was able to wear. <laughs> Other than that, yeah. Okay, so then how long did you uh, help with Pluto? So I was there helping for about a year and a half. Um, and when I transferred into doing tapestry, we I was still able to work with Pluto uh, during the day and then would um, help doing the parade in the evening. Okay, awesome. So you you did both for a while. Mm -hmm. So what was the, um, was there a whole nother audition for the Tapestry of Nations parade? You yeah. Know, went through all that again? It was just a dance. And then they kind of just did a once over on you just to see, you know, what your body type was, what you could handle. And then they chose us from there. Okay, awesome. So so you were on the opening of Tapestry Nation. So we're talking probably mid-1999, I guess, mm -hmm. when, when they started uh, planning for that. Because yeah. the Millennium Celebration started in uh, like probably October or something of 99, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Does that it, sound about right? Yeah, it was what a what an experience that was. I remember we were able to, like for our first couple auditions, before we even got to see um, any of the puppets or anything that we would be working on, they kind of were giving us like the visual of what they were imagining for all of it to look like. And then we got to listen to the music and they wanted us to get familiar with like hearing the music and moving our bodies to the music and what that would look like before we even knew like how to even try to do any of that with the puppet. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is so, a whole nother thing. Yes. And so then um, I remember after a few days of rehearsal, they took us to the different areas where you could see all of the puppets. And it was just like crazy, like just racks and racks of these like puppets attached. So they're like attached to literally a rack and it's like a backpack that just kind of clicks on. Um, and so when you were to go and try them on, you had to go kind of like squat down, put the backpack on, and then it would just kind of snap into place. And then you would kind of lock it to yourself and then come out of it. Um, and they were incredibly heavy, like really, really, really heavy, uh, especially the ones that are super tall. Cause I did get to try on most of the puppets. Um, we were able to kind of go and like here, I want to try this one. I want to try this one on. The one with the super long angel wings that are flowing was probably the heaviest one. It was super like heavy in the way that you have to like stabilize yourself because if the wind would blow, <laughs> you would kind of come off balance. Um, so yeah, they were, they were challenging. <laughs> yeah, that one, when it was spread out, it probably felt like you were, had a parachute or, or like a hang glider on your back. Yes, there was one time that we actually did the parade during, it was like really like hurricane season and there was a storm kind of brewing um, and we came out and we were, I remember because we were headed into the England area and there's that bridge that you cross over. And I remember people had to walk with the Sprite specifically and hold us from behind 
because that wind was so strong that literally would like pick us up and take us out into the water so and we you were, would be hang gliding yes so they like held us the whole way we we're like we should not be out here during this storm but but we made it thankfully uh that is that's just so cool i i absolutely love the i mean the millennium celebration was amazing but the tapestry of dreams i have that cd i bought it you know when during the millennium celebration because the music was just so amazing so that I'm really excited to hear your story that you got to do that. How long did you stay with the Tapestry of Nations Parade? Um, I was there for, I want to say, probably like eight or nine months of that parade awesome. before I left. And the only reason why I left Disney um, solely was because they didn't at the time have a full time position. Um, so I was working part-time, but I really wanted a full-time position and universal had offered me a full-time. So I decided to go with where I could work full-time. Um, and I missed it because that parade was so much fun to do. And the music still like, I don't know that when I was listening to the opening, the very first time I listened to your podcast that I messaged Tony right away. I was like, oh my gosh, this music brings me back to that memory. Um, just because I, I loved, absolutely loved that parade and loved the music so much. Um, even night after night of doing it, it still never got old at all. It was just so much fun to do and dance around. And like, that was the, like, few times that you could see my face um so it was nice to be able to like see kids and dance with them and you know it was it was super fun what was that uh that costuming like would, would you do I don't I because I they do makeup and stuff on uh on the 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 characters or the the puppeteers I guess what what were you called when you were in that were you I, I was I was a sprite so right. that's what they called us, but we had to, we were puppeteers, um, is what they pretty much called it, uh, because of the fact that all of the moving parts to our, especially the ones like the hammerhead, like they, they had like moving all their body parts. Mm -hmm. Um, but our makeup and everything that we had to do. So they trained us how to do the makeup. And then every night we had to take care of doing our makeup, wow. um, which was, that makeup was ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but like it literally was like bright blue, purple, mm -hmm. bright blue, glitter, and like like little tiny Betty Boop kind of lips, these huge eyelashes, like very girly, which is totally not me. <laughs> so I was like, oh gosh, this all this makeup is making me crazy. Um, but yeah, we had to like pile it on. And then we had these really weird um like helmet hats that were like purple and like had different like colors throughout and like we had a leotard that matched the same as the hat it was an interesting costume for the sprite because everyone else kind of wore just like a black shirt and um like super comfy pants and sneakers and we were all like in a tight leotard with like crazy I don't even know what what I would call that looked like a helmet kind of hat what time did you have to get to work? Did that take a while to put, put all that outfit together? My call time was four. And I think that the first parade didn't happen until like seven. Because so, then they run that like twice a night, mm -hmm. uh, at least in the beginning. 
Yeah. So we had to go out and back. So wherever we, whatever country we came out of and went into, then we would do the reverse on the way back. And the cool thing is that the very beginning, I don't know if they carried this out when they changed it into Tapestry of Dreams, but in the very beginning, we all came out um, like together with your group. I, I might be imagining this backwards, but I know that one of the passes that we took from country to country, we were together, like all the sprites were together, all the hammerheads were together, all the, you know, all throughout. And then the reverse, when we came back, we were mixed in together with other puppets. So we had each puppet was um, in each section before you would see the flow. And might no, I, be, and I'm sorry, I might ahead. be imagining, I might be imagining it the other way around. I think maybe we came out together and or came out separate and came back together. I don't know. I'll have to look at my, my mom has it on video somewhere. <laughs> and I know that when the, when the show first started, it was in three segments. Like it would start in uh, Mexico and go mm -hmm. over there. And then there was one for the center that was, you know, around the American adventure. And then there was a third segment and it would all happen simultaneously, but it was like basically three parades happening at the same time. Yeah. And did you, how did that work? Did you always stay in the same route or did they, did you mix and match or how did that No, work? they mixed us up. So I like, sometimes you would go from Mexico to Germany. That was one section. And then Germany, um, to, was it Germany to Italy maybe, or Morocco? And then you would come out, the next pass would go into England and back. So you would cross over that bridge and they kind of just told you when you got there, like whatever country you were starting in. So like, they would just say like, you're in Mexico today um, or you're in Germany today. And so then we would have to make sure to be at that specific break room and area when we started. And then how about when you were trained to, to drive the float? Can you, do you have any memories of that? What, what was um, that like? That was crazy. Look, we, we had to do it overnight. And we did it like for an entire evening. We kind of just had to learn all about the float. So they taught us like all of the moving parts of it, what it felt like to be on the float before you start to drive it. And then um, we actually got to like, I would be standing on the float while my you know colleague was learning how to drive it so that they could kind of you know be prepared for having people on there and then vice versa. Um, and then they wanted to make sure that we were able to drive through all of the different um, passes because they were all different terrain, you know, all different kind of areas to go through and just like things to be careful of if you're in this one because, you know, the trees above you and you have people on your float and, you know, things like that. So we just kind of work through all of those kind of details. And I remember it was a complete overnight because I remember finishing it was like 6 a.m. I think and we were driving the floats and it was nobody was in the park, but it was like bright, sunny. And here we are just driving floats around. <laughs> <laughs> what does the park feel like when there's nobody around? Is it still does it feel still feel the same or is it just does it feel empty? It feels empty, but it's so cool because like I wanted then just like run around, but like we couldn't because <laughs> we had to be in like one specific area. But it it's definitely like it's really cool to see it without people there. 
just because you get to see all of the things without any kind of hindrance of people being in the way or whatever. Do they keep the lights and the sound running all day and all night? The sound, no, but the lights they had on like overnight while we were there because we were part right. of the, you know, training. Um, I'm, I don't know about whether or not they turn everything off when no one's in there. I would imagine so. Yeah. Um, but I know when we sat and watched the parade, or not the parade, the fireworks, um, that one night was like 3 a.m. They did turn all of the lights off so that we could kind of have like a real experience of it. And yeah, it was, it's pretty crazy to see it at that time. So you were one of the opening day uh, for the, for the Tapestry of Dreams. I'm sorry, Tapestry of Nations. Did, um, how did that work? Did they just tell you how it was going to go? And this is what we anticipate your, your character will do and then tell us about like the the run-throughs like the first time before you debuted but obviously after you tried on the costume and did all your 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 learning to dance with it and everything tell us some of your experiences about like the first times actually doing the parade uh as a practice run not with guests um it was pretty interesting because we had to learn a lot of things of like how you know, different areas of the park are shaped. And then um, also working with other people around you that have a similar costume, that was challenging because you had some, you know, kind of, I would say um, some of the performers wanted to be loud and crazy about it. And so they would start doing spins and then they would get caught in another puppet. And it was like, okay, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of had to work those kinks out because a lot of like our pieces, we didn't realize like how much room they actually took. So we did a lot of like working with that. Um, and then just kind of getting used to moving through the, the different areas that you go through and and, you know, they would direct us, like, make sure that at this time you want to walk over and kind of be close to guests and then, you know, kind of weave through um, and just gave us like suggestions about movements that we could try with our costumes. Um, and they, you know, they had people throughout that would just, you know, like, yeah, I really like that. That's good. And as you're walking through to kind of like encourage how you're doing. Um, and then I remember we did a soft opening and um that was intense because that's when like all of the people were there. Um, and so it was kind of, you know, nerve wracking because it's like you've been working your way up to this moment and then the gates open and there's that big moment where the stage comes out and does his whole thing. And then the music starts and you're like, well, like you're so excited because you're ready to go. Um, and then all the people are just screaming and cheering as you come out. And that's, that was like shocking and Awesome. Of course, my mom being one of them that was yelling the <laughs> loudest. <laughs> oh, so mom was there on opening day? Yes. Yes. She oh, was that's there. cool. Yeah. And she was great. I could hear her and I was like, there she is. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was fun because, you know, the costumes, we got to be different ones each time. Like, even though I was a sprite every time, the sprites were always different colors. And so you kind of got familiar with different ones that you kind of liked better like some of them fit a little better and so we would always like hey you have my favorite one can I use that one and like kind of try to trade them out with other people um just so you know we, we got used to working with specific ones but yeah it was it was a, a really awesome experience and um 
just, I love that parade. And I was sad when I heard they took it away and I was just like, uh, it's such a good one. But parade like that has like hundreds of people. So uh, I don't know if you can really answer this, but do, how clean can they keep those costumes? Did you ever have an issue where you put one of these costumes on and you're like, no. <laughs> well, no, because the like the main part that you wear is cleaned every day. The the parts that like attach to you are pretty much kind of like in the open air for a lot, and so a lot of it was just like sprayed down, and they never really were like gross. Um, the outfits that we actually had on our bodies, they yeah. did a really good job of cleaning those. So that okay. was never an issue. Um, but yeah, I always like hope that they would bring that parade back even just for like a little bit because I, then I wonder like, what did you do with all of those puppets? They were like amazing. What did you do with them all? Well, I know um, the one that they called Disc Man, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the circular, the, he had the see-through body and it was yes. circular, the disc he, that made up yeah. his body. Yeah. Uh, those went to, I think, Tokyo. Uh, Do Tokyo Disneyland for one of their celebrations, uh, whether, whether it was 10 or 20 or whatever years, I don't remember. Uh, but I remember uh, seeing somewhere that the, the disc man uh, made it over there to Tokyo. Uh, oh, cool. The rest of them, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope they still exist somewhere. I know. I know um, we, I read or saw a video or something somewhere at some point where they said in 2007 they brought a couple of the uh, of the big marinettes out and did some like greeted some guests and stuff. But um, except for that, where I, I heard about that, and then I heard about Discman, the Discman puppets go into Tokyo. Uh, I, there's really they haven't been seen for a really long time. I I know that they that. Uh, and of course, Disney never really comes out and says why they um, why they stop a parade or why they replace it or something. But I had heard that it was a big part of it was because of safety, because the the puppets were the costumes were just so incredibly heavy. Yeah, that they were after a certain amount of time, they were concerned about, you know, actually injuring the performers just because of the sheer weight of those of those puppets so yeah they were incredibly heavy for sure that's that is a true statement <laughs> like and, and i obviously you you don't have a built-in scale but if you just had to throw a number out there just to guess what would you say that it would weigh it was probably well it would depend on what you were but i would say like at least for the sprites it was probably an additional like 20 to 30 pounds like on your back only. yes uh-huh and so when the wind would blow, it was like it would you would have to like brace yourself because it really would pull you. But some of those other ones, I'm sure, were at least 50 pounds, um, especially like the disc man was really big and heavy. Um, and the angel, that angel one was probably the heaviest and in the I probably would say the lightest one out of all of them was the hammer. Hammer man was pretty pretty light he just was awkward because he was like straight up um, I, and i know the ribs like the rib plates those would would flat back and forth and i imagine that probably you know kind of got you moving like that a little bit yeah they were actually not as heavy though um on the hammer he was pretty he was pretty easily to be moved because anytime that i know i got to wear the hammer one time 
Um, and he's pretty flexible. So he wasn't as constricting as some of the other ones were or as heavy and hard to keep up. And I know he didn't have anything on his arms. He basically just had like the, the, the yes. puppets. He had hands. So there was nothing, not, not having that parachutes right know, getting caught in the wind and stuff right right yeah those other ones for sure like there was one called the wiggle girl and she had wings they weren't quite as big as the angel um but she also had a like a little uh rope here so you can make her wiggle and yes. so they could they had to like do a little bit of that and then also had the ability to move her wings but her wings didn't she didn't have as heavy wings as the angel ones were massive the the angel was really wide but also mm -hmm. really long so yes. it was a lot of surface area mm -hmm. to, to capture that wind so so you said you did that parade for uh, about nine months mm -hmm. and so you worked for disney for about i guess it's about two years basically. yeah about yeah okay you have any uh special or funny stories before we move on to the next phase you have any specials for funny stories that happened during that parade any you know, anything stand out to you um i'm trying to think funny stories from the parade i think probably just like the many times that the sprites got caught on something were probably the the funny moments there were times where they were caught on the actual float um Oh gosh, like the wings yes. or something would get caught. Yeah, it's the back. The back had like three like wings that would come outwards. And there was always like this one little corner that would just seem to get caught on everything, like the trees, all the things. So anytime you were around anything, you had to like literally move. Um, and I just remember like a lot of times we would get stuck on stuff or each other and we would end up having to like do the rest of the parade, like attached to each other because we couldn't get oh, out. Wow. Um, so that, yeah, those would be the funny memories from that. I know like I, one of my biggest dreams never happened was I so wanted to actually play the drum on the float because you know when I was in high school I played in the marching band and was played the bass drum and so I so wanted to like please give me some sticks I want to go up here and play but they never let me um I imagine yeah. that was probably a whole other uh, interview process or, or or something like that because I mean you, you probably had to be a musician yes to, to do that so mm -hmm. it was probably a whole other process that that those those performers had to go through rather yeah. than, than a, and some a of the drummers yeah some of the drummers that actually did it um they were they would like in between our sets they would teach me the drum part um and then I eventually like picked it up because you hear it every night and so I was like I could do this and they were like you should audition because you could do it and then I stopped working there so I never got to do it but that was a dream <laughs> And so you, uh, you also, you said you, you learned to drive and did you drive it, the floats during actual performances mm -hmm. as well? Yeah, and I got to do it for probably the latter part, right before I left, I did more driving than performing in it. Okay. Cause that That's was a cool. lot easier. Um, that shift was a lot easier. You just kind of came at the same time as everybody, but really all you had to do was drive. <laughs> and then Didn't have to do your own makeup for the, no, for the driving, right? No, we literally wore like black they gave us like black capri pants a black shirt you had to be covered in black so they couldn't see you through the little mesh that's in the little driver part and then that was it so it's pretty easy 
and then Tapestry of Nations, was that your last position at Disney before you moved? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, then tell us about your transition. Tell us about moving from Disney to Universal. So that transition was pretty, pretty easy. Um, I went to an audition and as soon as they saw like Disney on my resume, they were like, okay, come on over. Um, and so I, I was able to kind of jump right in. And, and the very first um, thing that I did at Universal was uh, Halloween Horror Nights. They had a parade for that. Um, and so we kind of, ironically, I was a marionette in <laughs> the oh, wow. Halloween parade. Um, although I was very creepy and they airbrushed my face to make me look really gross and terrible. Um, but I was like a jester puppet in that parade. Uh, and then once that parade ended, I, I jumped right into characters working over there. And what characters did you help out with over at Universal? Um, I know you said Scooby-Doo was one. Yes. Uh, Yogi Bear, um, George Jetson, Popeye, what else? Tony Tipponi, Angelica. Uh, Tony's um, Fievel's best friend. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And um, then I did uh, Angelica from the Rugrats, Chucky. Wow, a lot of different ones. I I helped out with Woody Woodpecker a few times too. Um, yeah. And that was that was another fun experience too. Different from Disney, but fun. <laughs> and how long did you work over at Universal? Uh, I was there for about two two years. And so you're a teacher now. So mm -hmm. were you were you going to school while you were working for Disney and for Universal? Is that yes. kind of the timeline we're looking at? Yeah, and that was like the best thing I could possibly do because anytime I needed to do any homework or anything like that for school. I had these built-in breaks throughout my day where I could get all of my work done. Um, especially when I was working at Universal, we we would do shows and um, sets and like have like 45 minutes to an hour in between each one. And so I could sit, read, do any of my reading or anything that I need to do for school in between. So it was, it was kind of the perfect job to have during that time. So they would allow you to bring your backpack with you in between performances of what, whatever, if you were doing a parade or a, a greet, meet and greet or whatever, you could just kind of chill out and do your homework between performances. Yeah, we had a break room um, with couches, uh, many couches, TVs, um, a full kitchen. And so we could just kind of like nap between sets if we wanted to. Um, watch TV, watch movies, we'd hang out. It, it really built like a family, especially at Universal um, because we were kind of stuck together all the time in that one space. Whereas at Disney, you're sent into different break rooms depending on what you're doing for that day. And you don't necessarily work with the same people each time. So it's hard, harder to build um, mm -hmm. that little family. Sometimes you would see somebody you're like, oh, I was with you last week. Cool, we get to work together again. Um, but at Universal, like we were, we were in it. So we ended up building a pretty unique family. Um, and it just kind of, I felt like it helped like develop us as um, performers because we worked together so well outside. And so, you know, coming in and, and performing, we were able to kind of pick up on each other's, you know, things. And, and when you work together closely with people, it just, it was, a, it was interesting and, and fun.
Can you, can you take us back to uh, Disney for a moment? I just realized you had worked at Epcot mostly, but then um, you helped during the Buzz Lightyear uh, introduction. How different was it working at the Magic Kingdom? Well, so when I got to go there, Magic Kingdom is intense. Um, <laughs> it really is. Like the that was my first experience was going in the tunnels of the Magic Kingdom, you um, where all of the like all of the performers, all of the everything is like underneath. And they, I remember them telling us like, this is going to be shocking because you're going to see some things you probably never thought you would see. Um, and they were right. And so, you know, we walked through and it was like, wow, this is nuts. Um, and it just like working in those areas, you kind of like, you had to gather all of your things for um, your day. And then you got into like a van and they just kind of took you to the next part of your, like where you were supposed to work. Um, and they would drop you off. So you had like your whole like Santa Claus bag of stuff and then would get sent to your different locations. Um, and so it just, it was massive. I think working, working at Magic Kingdom, it's, it's definitely different because it's like, it's just huge. And you, you don't really ever get to see the same people ever. I feel like, I don't know how, I, I don't know the experience cause I wasn't there every single time, but I know coming from Epcot, even though Epcot's pretty big as well, I still was able to like work similarly with some people and it wasn't quite as big um, as Magic Kingdom. And then just kind of having to do the tunnels, it's like a whole nother system over there. Um, driving in a tram to get there, like you park out, like way far away and they come pick you up and then you're just like in this whole nother world of things um, that you never would see if you were not a cast member. So it was, it's pretty crazy. So for, at, at what point in your career were you helping out with Buzz? Was it when you were also helping Pluto and like kind of that time where, where you just filling in or like, how did that, how did that come yeah, about? Yeah, it was kind of random. Um, like, you get your schedule each week and then all of a sudden I looked and I was like Buzz Lightyear like what is this <laughs> like <laughs> okay um and I just went with it it was a very interesting experience because um as I said that costume was new and there were a lot of kinks that needed to be worked out um, a lot of things that happened that day that I was like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. Um, just pieces of things that just didn't want to stay on Buzz that day. And it makes the magic a little hard for the kids when you're there and, and trying to create this character and then flap something falls off behind you. And Are we talking like wings, it? wings and stuff? Or There were like these like, knee pad things, things and like just would just constantly drop and <laughs> the kids were like buzz i think your foot fell off <laughs> like oh okay like try to keep going um but well, yeah. it's a space suit you know sometimes things come off yes it, it happens how yes. long did you help out with buzz was that just that one week it was that one literally that one time i i oh, wow. asked you it one day and i was like well i guess i get to say that i get i have to help this out and then <laughs> that was it um but yeah it it definitely it it really relies a lot on 
your um, greeter that's with you really has to be on it for things that happen like that um, to kind of play along or figure out a reason why that would happen to keep the magic going. So they definitely train their greeters differently because um, when you're the difference, one of the differences between Disney and Universal was that at Disney, you had specific like greeters that were with you. Um, whereas at Universal, you got to do both. So you got to experience the performing side, but then also experience being the greeter. Um, and I felt like it was nice to have to be able to do both because I could understand what's happening as a performer. And so it was kind of, you know, helpful in that way. Um, but you definitely have to have specific training or be kind of quick on your feet to think of like when mishaps happen or something where you can kind of, you know, try to keep the peace. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, I've got like a million questions going on in my head. I'm going to try and just pick just one. So you were there in late nineties, early two thousands. So let's talk about, and you worked pro mostly at Epcot is, is what I'm understanding. And you did a little bit of, you said Swan and Dolphin, you helped mm -hmm. out with some characters for character meals and stuff. But let's think about Epcot during, um, during late, late 90s, early 2000s. So that would have been in, during a time of transition for the parks, because that's around the time they closed World of Motion and we're building Test Track and that's a, around the time that we started seeing the end of Horizons and stuff like that. And, and really, I mean, early 2000s is when we lost the original Journey to Imagination also. So do you have, um, like me, if, if I was, gosh, I'm thinking if I were a cast member during late 90s, early 2000s in the, you know, what I would call the, the golden age of Epcot Center, you know, all the, the great rides, the original opening day attractions and you know horizons and stuff were still there uh did you get a chance to go and experience those you know like your horizons and your world emotions and stuff do you remember uh you know loving those or anything like that you know it's funny um tony actually brought up horizons to me and i was like oh my gosh like i completely forgot and then as soon as you said it i remembered like having to go into these cars and sit. And then I remember like the doors would close and there were like buttons to push. Uh-huh, yeah. And like for different, like, and if I'm remembering correctly, like for different kinds of endings or like terrain or things to see, like you could kind of like choose your adventures, so, That's so to speak. That's exactly right. And I had completely forgot until he said it. And I was like, oh, yes, I remember going on that ride. Um, and it, I, the thing about being there during that time, like for me, the most iconic thing was having the 2000 on the side of the. Globe. Oh, the magic wand. Yeah. Yes. And it was, that was really cool to see when they finally like unveiled that that was coming and we got to see that. Um, that definitely was, was neat. I remember like my first experience at Disney, not even realizing that that was even a ride that you could go on. And like, I just thought it was like a big, sculpture thing and was like oh that's cool and then it's like oh you can actually go in there and like right okay cool let's go in there and see um jenny it's funny so, you should say that because i've said before the first time i saw that i thought that was epcot center i thought you oh. walked in there and everything was inside that globe <laughs> oh my gosh that would have been cool too but yeah it 
it definitely was like, what is this thing? And then why is there a line for it? Okay, let's see what's what's going on. Um, yeah, I, I remember a lot of the rides, um, some of my, like I, I remember going on Norway like crazy. In Norway, I love that ride, um, especially if you've ever gotten to experience it at night and with just one other person with you. Like my friend and I, somehow there was a parade or something happening and we were the only two in that boat. It was probably <laughs> the scariest, but most hilarious ride I've ever done because we were like holding on to each other, even though we knew the ride, it still was like, it's so dark in here. I don't know. Um, have you been I, to the, to the new version? I have not. And I'm, I'm a little hesitant to be honest, although I love frozen. I love it. I'm just kind of like, ugh. I get a little bummed, you know, cause it's the same thing with like Captain EO. Captain EO was like everything. Like I wanted to see Captain EO so many times. Um, and when they got rid of it, I was like, ugh. And then I went to Disneyland and visited my brother. Um, and I actually, they still had Captain EO at the time that I went to visit him. And so I went over there and was like, they still have it here? Like, oh my gosh. And like ran to go see it. Um, but yeah, so I, I missed those, those parts, um, you know, of that time. And, and I know like things have to evolve and change, but I don't know. I kind of am like, ugh. Some of that stuff I feel like you could have kept and just maybe refurbished and and it still would be awesome. Um, test track is okay. Um, yeah, I know I it was you like you were there during the early days of that, right? Did, yeah. Were you? Did you get to test it, or I know you knew people that were testing it. I knew people that were testing it. I'm glad I didn't get to test it because there were a lot of mishaps when they were. That's doing what testing. I remember you saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I I remember like the one of the things that someone told me was that they, the doors didn't open. So, you know, that part where it's like flies through and it's supposed to open the Well, the doors did not open. And so they just like stop there and like, well, what oh. happens now? Um, and so like those kind of things um, happen in the beginning stages. And so I was kind of glad that I didn't get to test that. They, but, they offered that to, to cast members to test, right? Is that the way it works? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because my brother, I think when he was working there, he got to test, I want to say Splash Mountain. Because oh, okay. that had just come out while he was there. So he was he was one of the first few people that got to, to write on that. Um, but yeah, I, I test track was okay. I think it was like all the hype when I was there was like, a test track is coming you know you everybody get on it and it was cool at, at that time I, I don't know if I necessarily still think it's cool it's all right um I know like mission space came and I feel like I haven't I think I was able to ride that ride when you can make the choice of like being sick or not being sick do they still do that yeah like, there's a, a orange the orange side is the fully intense and then there's a green side you can take the orange mission or the green mission and the green mission doesn't spin it's yeah. just like you're in a simulator but it doesn't doesn't spin you in that centrifuge I think the first time I wrote it we didn't have that option I want to say the first time I wrote it there was like a, a button you could push because you were not feeling well like an emergency like kind of stop I feel like I remember some kind of like red red flashing button maybe and it was like, if you feel like you're not okay, push this button. And so I remember like the whole time I was staring at that button, like, do I need, maybe I need to push this button or not? I don't know. Um, and then, you know, they came up with the, the different, I guess, versions of it. 
because people were getting very sick on that ride, I think. I'm trying to remember, did you ever work at the studios or at Animal Kingdom? Um, so I did, no, no, I didn't. No, Animal Kingdom, no, I didn't get to work at that park either. But that was There's, when you were there during the, during the opening of that. Yeah, Animal Kingdom, I got to actually be, I got to actually uh, stay at the Animal Kingdom Lodge as a cast member, I think before, like right when they were opening up for everybody. Um, and they kind of gave us like a disc, like a huge discount to stay there. And so I, I got to stay and see the animals. And I always thought that was like a really, really cool resort. Um, yeah, I still think it's a really cool spot to hit. I'm not a huge fan of the Animal Kingdom Park itself. Um, a couple of reasons. One, I feel like it's like super, super hot at that. It's park always hot there because yeah. there's no trees. Like I feel like there's no shade. Um, yeah. And uh, I do, there's some shows there that are great. Lion King show is amazing. Um, but yeah, I haven't, Animal Kingdom was not always like my number one place. Although now they have, uh, what is it called? The Avatar. Avatar stuff that probably is really cool. I haven't seen that. Well, that leads me into my next question. I was going to ask you, you said you, you moved to Texas in about six years ago. So uh, how often do you make it back? Do you have you visited since you since you moved or? I have not been back since I moved, and it's been killing me. <laughs> I've been wanting to go so bad. Um, you and, almost made it once, but I think there was a storm or something that stopped you. Right? Yes, yeah. So I, I made it back um, one time after I moved for the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween party. Um, because I tried to go to that for a few years, we would go all dressed up and, and I have a group of friends that we do it up big. Um, and so that was super fun to go to, but again, that's like a short amount of like, you don't really get to do the whole park in that, you know, that kind of setting. Cause it's like just in the evening. Um, but I haven't been back in a long time. Um, and I got to visit Disneyland once and only the one park I didn't get to do California Adventure so um, it's been a while and I, I've been missing it a lot I've said that I actually told my brother the other day I was like we need to make a Disney trip I miss <laughs> Disney he's like come see me I'm like no not that Disney my Disney <laughs> <laughs> so, so do you keep in touch or are you still in touch with any of your your cast member buddies or anybody that you knew from that time, either Universal or, or at Disney, are you still in touch with anybody? Yeah, I actually keep in touch with a couple friends from uh, my Disney days, uh, but more of my Universal days, I have uh, more friends that I stay in contact with through there. And well, cause you said of... that you worked together more with them. Mm -hmm. It was more kind of random over at Disney. Yes, yes. So I do have a couple of friends that work the parade with me um, at Tapestry that I still kind of keep in contact with and check in every once in a while. Before we wrap up this part of Jenny's story, was there any role or anything that you wanted to do that you didn't get to do? And um, are there any last memories or anything you'd like to share at this point? Uh, my biggest role that I wanted to do and I actually auditioned for um, was to play a princess. Um, oh. I really wanted to work closely with Princess Jasmine and I was like so hopeful um, went to the audition it was back in my skinnier days when everything was 
easy breezy. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to go and try out. And it was a very interesting audition. Literally, you do nothing but have people stare at you. Um, and that's it. They stare at you. They make you turn around, turn to the side, look this way, look that way, smile. That's don't probably smile. changed now. <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah, and I remember getting to like a little bit past that first part. And then it was basically the the reasoning that I got was that they would have liked someone who could work closely with many of those characters instead of just being one. Mm. Um, and so I was kind of bummed and yeah, that was my dream that I was like, oh, it was so close, but no. Yeah. Well, you know, as you said, uh, you know, when you were in, you know, different things that you were doing, it was, you were kind of interchangeable that you worked with a lot of different characters. And I, I, I guess that makes sense. That's kind of what they're looking for is that mm -hmm. like plug and play, they can, you know, oh, so-and-so's not here today. We need you to go be this thing, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess I can kind of get that, but yeah. Yeah. So that's the only thing that I was kind of like, oh, never got to do that, but then I look at it now and I'm like, but how much fun would that have been? I feel like it would have been fun, but also a little harder because then it's like me. And sometimes I can't hide in my face how I'm feeling. So it would be hard to like, <laughs> so you like really can read me pretty well. So I don't know. It would have been hard for me to mask some of that, you know, when people are being obnoxious. <laughs> Whereas and to, and to like that. That doesn't happen at Disney. <laughs> that's some of the, like, I think that's probably why I had the most fun working with Angelica from the Rugrats at Universal, because she's very bratty. And so that could be obnoxious right back. And it was like the best because they ate it up. They thought it was part of like the show. And I was just like, no, you're just being a punk. So I'm just going to be one too. <laughs> and so I loved it because she was, she was allowed to be that way. Well, speaking of Brady, did you ever have any any bad experiences with people doing things that they shouldn't be doing? Oh, all the time, all the time. Yeah. You, like, because a lot of times the kids, you know, they, they're a little scared, so they don't really know how to react. And so they know someone's there, but they, they kind of want to see like what the reaction would be if they do something. So lots of kicks to the shins. Um, or like hits in the head because oh what is what is this like I want to see what this is made of or whatever and so yeah there was the teenagers a teenagers ever ever do that teenagers ever oh yeah yeah you? yeah um but that's you know where the greeter is like super important because in that moment they immediately will just kind of you know knock it off all right Jenny, yeah. well any any last memories you want to share with us before we get on to the next segment um trying to think of any other things i think i've shared all the all of my fun memories um yeah i, I think i was able to share it all so that's awesome that's very cool yes that was awesome that was <laughs> really cool hearing you share your experiences and stuff and stuff that you know like i said my uh, my father-in-law works for disney my mother-in-law is retired from disney she was a, a merchandise manager and my father-in-law is a mechanic on Expedition Everest. So I've heard stories in merchandising and I've heard stories in, you know, mechanics and maintenance, but I haven't heard any of the, the kind of stories that you shared with us, like performances and stuff. So that was super cool. I really appreciate you coming and sharing some of those experiences with us. Yeah, no problem. It was fun. 
All right, so we'll switch on over to our second segment for the week, and this is what we like to call What's Happening Now in Walt Disney World. So this week, the Walt Disney Company took fans by surprise when they unexpectedly paused sales of their annual pass offerings. Only the, what they call the Dixie, not Dixie, Disney Pixie, though, see how I put those two together, <laughs> Disney Pixie Dust Pass, which is the Florida resident annual pass is still available for purchase. So right now paused is the Pirate Pass, the Sorcerer Pass, and the Increda Pass, all currently unavailable. Disney expects new annual pass sales will resume, and this is their quote, sometime in 2022, which uh, really is kind of vague. As you remember, Disney halted sales of all annual passes when they were forced to close their parks due to the global COVID-19 pandemic in 2020. And finally, in August of 2021, Disney released a post on the Disney uh, Parks blog that read, please note as we continue to manage attendance to provide a great experience for everyone at any time, annual passes may be unavailable for purchase. And it wasn't until September 8th that the annual pass sales resumed with the newly introduced levels. And those are the, the ones I just listed. The Incredipass Pass was the highest level and everything. So those, those different levels, you know, they, they give the, the guests those perks. You can get the, the park hoppers with allowing for water parks and all that stuff, depending on the pass and the level that you purchased. But at this time, Disney has not made any official statements as to why they paused annual pass sales at this time. But um, I think you could probably take a pretty good guess if you really had to think about it and you were considering who's still running the show over there at Disney. But what do you guys think about this news? Have y'all heard about the, the pausing of the annual pass sales? And what is your take on this? It's got to be something related to a, a reimagining of it, I would assume. I think they, they probably learned what they, um, what they could do as a result of what happened during the pandemic. And maybe they're trying to rechannel it and see if there's a way that they can, they can um, make it worth the cost to them uh, to do this. So we'll have to wait and see. It sounds like they're, they're rethinking it. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was thinking too, that they're just kind of trying to revamp the process of everything. Um, I know I, I took total part in the Florida pass holder when I was there um, and it was amazing. So I definitely, I, I know they, they've been changing a lot since the pandemic. So I think that they're just trying to, you know, figure out where they're going next. Well, I might be wrong, but I'll tell you what I think is going on. I think that Disney sees the crowds returning and it's the busy holiday season. And I think they're trying to maximize every dollar, dime and penny. And it's nice to sell an annual pass, but that's, a you know, one chunk of change when it's purchased. I think they're trying to maximize profits. I think they pause the purchases of annual passes so that they can sell more four-day, six-day, eight-day passes, which ultimately uh, are more expensive than an annual pass. That's what I think. I think they are trying to maximize profits during the busy holiday season. But that's just Dewey's, uh, Dewey's theory. I have no reason to 
to no way to confirm or deny that. That's just what I'm thinking. I think they're just trying to put a little few extra pennies in the pocket and that once the holidays are over, they'll, they'll bring back some, bring back some of those uh, annual pass sales. That's just what I'm thinking. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. The, um, you know, they're, they're still allowing guests to buy the Florida resident one. That's the pixie dust pass. And if you already have an annual pass, they're allowing you to renew them, but they're not selling any new annual passes. So I don't know. That's, it just seems odd to me. I, I, I can't think of any other reason that they would do that. You know, cause Tony, you were saying you think they're trying to revamp it, but they just revamped it in September unless oh, yeah. they saw, unless, and I'm not saying you're wrong by any means, unless they saw that this new, when they released it for those new levels, the, the Increda pass and the sorcerer pass and the pirate pass and all the things that you get with those, unless they saw that they weren't selling well, or, you know, maybe they are going to revamp it or add different levels or different perks or whatever. I don't know. Didn't they get rid of it in California for a bit or did uh, it, they, they, I think they've paused it everywhere. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's all, but I know for a fact it's Disney World, for sure Disney World. So I don't know. It just seems odd to me. Um, you know, maybe it is the revamping thing. Maybe they they didn't get the response that they had wanted when they released it in September, or maybe maybe it's like I said, them trying to sell more seven day passes rather than the annual passes. Or maybe it's neither of those things. And we're just over here speculating and, you know, it could be something else. But I just found that odd and interesting that they, you know, after a long time of no annual pass sales, they finally came back in September. And then just, you know, what, a month and a half later, they're like, oops, let's pause it again. So I don't know. That'll be interesting to see what happens, uh, you know, I guess in early, early 2022 is the the estimate there so we'll see we'll be tracking that and see what comes of that all right so that's what we were going to talk about this weekend what's happening now in walt disney world so our third and final segment for this week's episode is called what's your favorite each week one of our hosts brings with them a question to ask the other two hosts that neither of us have heard before. It's brand new. We don't know the questions ahead of recording and we must answer the questions on the spot. So Ron is missing today. So we thought it would be fun, something we've never done before. We thought it would be fun to let our guest take control of what's your favorite. So today, Jenny is actually going to ask the what's your favorite question. And Tony and I are going to do our best to give her an exceptional answer. So, Jenny, are you ready? Are you are you ready to hammer us here with this? What's yes. your favorite question for the week? Yes, I'm ready. All right. Okay. What you got? All right. So I love going to Disney for specific reasons, like different spots to always hit when I go. So I would like to know what is your favorite snack stop? at Disney. Oh, goodness gracious. So we have to pick from the whole entire resort. We can't just, you're not going to narrow it down for us and say, no. a park. oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. Okay. 
look, Tony's over there rubbing his chin yeah. and looking <laughs> away. Um, okay, so let's qual let's quantify or qualify. I don't know what word I'm looking for. Let's let's uh, what when you say snack, what are you looking for? Are you talking? I'm um, thinking, you know, it could be the little ice cream stop or some kind of fudge or pretzels or what what's your favorite snack stop what okay. kind of snack stop do you make and wait i know i know my answer tony you want me to go ahead and go you look sure go ahead. go ahead tony's still over there rubbing his chin <laughs> he doesn't know okay so now it's been a while since i had one of these um more than just the year and a half or whatever it's been since i've been to disney but it's been a few years since i got one of these but there for a while we would hit this spot every single trip. And uh, it is over at, well, I guess now it's called Disney Springs, but uh, I still call it Downtown Disney most of the time. But over at, uh, what is that, Goofy's Candy Company over there by the Christmas store in Disney Springs. Uh, inside there, they have the, it really, oh, my holy smokes, they're amazing. You can get a giant rice crispy treat on and it's shaped like mickey and it comes uh uh in a little box then they you you go there and they hand you one of those little slips of paper and you you write down you get to circle you know you want the rice crispy treat and you get to circle the what you want it dipped in and it can be her uh milk chocolate dark chocolate white chocolate caramel like there's a whole list of things that you can dip it in for the the fluid or the what well, I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what a better what a better way to call it but they dip it in something chocolate or whatever and then you get to choose what you want sprinkled on it and it's M&Ms or Snickers or Butterfinger or you know lots of other things uh, and then you get to choose your drizzle and they'll drizzle you know one of those the same same liquids that you can dip it in you have those choices for the drizzle so i would always get the mickey head rice krispie treat dipped in uh, chocolate and then i would do uh, usually do uh, m&ms covering it or sprinkled or whatever and then i would get a caramel drizzle and look, the thing is about this big, and if you're listening to this, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, it's probably about the size of, I don't know, maybe a grapefruit or something. Uh, pretty, pretty big Rice Krispie treat. You can't eat it in one sitting. So we would always go to downtown Disney or Disney Springs uh, on the last day or two of our trip when we're getting ready to go home. So we would go there and then all four of us, me and my wife and my two kids, we would all get one and, and then we would take them home with us. So we would, you know, I was always the, the, the biggest culprit. Uh, we would drive, we on the drive home. I'm always like sneaking my box open and taking a few <laughs> bites of it and stuff. But uh, if you take it home, if you keep it in the box, then it stays relatively fresh for like a week. So that's like dessert for the next four or five days. I still had a little bit of a Disney, little piece of Disney with me at home, you know, because when you get home from a trip, you know, it's the, 
it's the worst week of your life because you know disney's gone yeah. and you're literally from the farthest away from a disney trip your next disney trip when you just get home you know so that's like the worst week ever is when you get home from disney and you're really missing it so that always offered me a at least a, like a little about a week or so if if that thing lasted that long <laughs> Um, of a little bit of Disney magic left over at home so that my answer is those dipped in chocolate and sprinkled with M&Ms and stuff those Mickey head Rice Krispie treats if you haven't had one you got to give those a try they are so so fun and so cool and like I said take it home and you can eat it for a few more days that's my answer Jenny that's my answer the Mickey head Rice Krispie treats awesome that's a good answer did you ever yeah. have one? I have. I have had one. They're amazing, right? Yes. They're huge um, too. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited you've had one. Oh my gosh. They're so good. That's my answer. You're reminding me of when we, when they used to have the dining plan and we had some extra points left over that one time that we were staying at one of the resorts, we actually went down and bought a bunch of the Mickey Rice Krispie heads to, because you could, you could put them in your, in your suitcase and take them home. And, and they yes. actually did last a, a couple of weeks. That's true. Um, my favorite, when you said snack, and, and you make me think about snack spot, um, uh, especially I think every time I used to go to Disney World, I never tried, I tried not to snack because my family used to like to go dining at Disney. It's because a lot of our trips were planned around, okay, we're going to have breakfast at this place, lunch at this place, dinner at this place, and in between you had all the rides. So there was no real time to snack. But when I used to go by myself or when I used to wait for them between rides, my father-in-law used to love to see the Muppets and not just see the Muppets. It was like we'd go see the Muppets and then he'd get right back in line, go see the Muppets again. And then he'd say, oh, I want to see that again and get back in line and go see that again. I love that that attraction, but I don't want to see it four or five <laughs> times in a row. So what I would do is I, my, when you said my favorite snack, snack spot, I thought this is what you meant. There's a w kind of a waiting area sort of by where the restrooms are and you can kind of see star tours and you can kind of see the Muppets or at least back then. Um, and I would just sit in that area and... I would get a Mickey bar from one of the carts that was around there and just sit and, and have a Mickey bar there while they were back in Muppets again or whatever they were doing. And I, I loved that spot. I used to even close my eyes and, and just uh, try to absorb what it felt like to be in Disney with the sun on you and with the sound of, of what was going on around and, and being able to watch the uh, AT, AT give out its little um, uh, puffs of smoke and and it, it, that that is my favorite snack spot. It was it's like a, a I think there's a I don't know if it's still there, but it was a, a like a, a truck, an ice cream meat try type snack truck that I would get my Mickey bar at, and I'd just sit there and eat it. Nice. Okay, so did I misunderstand your question? Were you asking for a spot or or uh, the actual snack, or no. you don't care? You just want stories. Either one can work. Okay. I okay, definitely awesome. know. Like I'm a snack eater when I go there, so. I was curious to know what everyone liked to munch on. Mickey bar. In fact, I, I mentioned early on in one of the shows, I get them from the grocery store every now and then. They sell them in, in the in, in a box. It's not as good as the one in the park, but it it it, it uh, it's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jenny. So you asked the question. Now you got to answer it. What is your answer? So back um, at MGM Studios, uh, there was 
a uh, when they did the Osborne family Christmas lights. Uh, yes. Gosh, I, I loved that. So I used to go every year and I always hit this little cart right outside of where the main street is. Um, and they had these pretzels that were that were stuffed with like sweet cream cheese. And they were amazing. <laughs> like, I, I remember just getting it on a whim because we were hungry and there was like something right there. And I grabbed it and was like, oh my gosh, these have cream cheese in them. And it's like sweet. And oh, they were so, so good. So every single time I would go to that park, I would be looking and saying like, where is the, where is the sweet cream cheese? I need it. Um, but yeah, it was a stuffed pretzel and they're delicious but also like i loved the whole atmosphere of the osborne lights being oh, around yeah. so that was like a whole setting in itself you know besides just being you know the little spot to eat we would sit and then just watch all the lights go on and and that was amazing Step into christmas yeah those were that was such a great time i thought that was such an awesome show that they had yeah. you know for everybody so yeah that's nice. awesome look and again, almost like the questions we asked you earlier, when you're talking Disney snacks, there's really not a wrong answer. There, there's, you know, there's just, oh my goodness, their stuff is so good. So yes, nice work. Good question for your first try at uh, what's your favorite, Jenny. Very good. Thank you. No problem. All right. And that just about does it for this episode of the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please find and follow us on all our social media. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at WDW Reflections Podcast and on Twitter at WDW Reflections. This podcast can currently be found and played on many podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast. If you love the show, please leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts. Those positive feedbacks help the show reach a larger audience and helps us grow. And don't forget, you can always message us from any of those social media accounts, or you can email us at wdwreflectionspodcast at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, requests for tip, trip tips, say that five times fast, for future podcast topics or anything else you can think of. We'd love to hear from you. And please keep coming back because we truly appreciate you. Thanks for reflecting on Walt Disney World memories with us on the WDW Reflections Podcast. All right, we'll see you real soon. Don't forget to catch special show clips every weekend on YouTube at WDW Reflections Podcast.